0: while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk.
1: Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. I'm here with Chris Penault today, delivering you this month's bonus episode. Today, Chris and I are talking all about interviews, and we're hearing more about Chris's experience of going out on mock interviews to learn how to become a better interviewer, and we're both sharing our tips on how you can become good at interviewing so you don't waste your time and so you can get the best new hires into your business. So Let's jump right into the conversation. Hi, Chris. Welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast.
2: Hello, Jamie. How are you doing?
1: Doing really well. So I want to circle back and talk about something that you brought up during the first episode that you were on. So for those listening, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go back and listen to, it. Was, I think it was episode four, where we first introduced Chris. And in this episode, you mentioned one thing you did when you were trying to learn how to become better at interviewing people. And you talked about interviewing, I would say, mystery shopping in a way where (laughs) you would actually just go and go on interviews and interview for jobs that you really had no intention on, on really taking the job. Who knows? Maybe something would have sparked your fancy and you would have been like, yes, I really want to do this. But anyway, most of you didn't plan on getting the job, but you went on interviews to learn. And I wanted dig into that and have that be our topic of discussion today, really interviewing and how you can improve your interviewing skills and all that stuff. Because when you said this, I definitely had a bunch of thoughts and opinions (laughs) and not all of them were positive. Fair enough. So tell before we get into my thoughts and opinions on this subject, tell us about this time in your life when you were learning more about interviewing and you were going on these interviews.
2: Sure. I mean, uh, so we talked about a little bit when I got to introduce myself and tell you my story. Um, but I'm someone who has done numerous jobs throughout my life from the age of like 12, I was out running kind of entrepreneurial stands on the side of the street and all that to running a production company to having all these different jobs. So I've had an interview a lot. I was always searching for whatever the right fit was the things that would truly engage, inspire and motivate me. Um, so that was part of my interviewing experience. But this time that, that we're talking about, um, I was a turnaround manager, I was a turnaround stand I would go into an underperforming location, a retail location at the time, and figure out who was working, who wasn't working, let go of people, hire, recruit, train, develop, and create an ecosystem of the organization. Um, and I would be there between three to six months and then I would move on to the next location. So that was, I, I did that for almost five years. And in that process, I had to get really good at figuring out, um, asking excellent questions, figuring out how to engage team members, but most importantly, how to interview very, very well so that when I would bring staff in, that these people who I I interviewed, um, I wasn't always the one going out and headhunting them were the best fit for the culture the organization that I was creating and it wasn't always easy but one of the things that I did just to kind of shadow what you were saying earlier is I started going out and figuring out how can I be a better interviewer right so one of the first things that came to me was let me just start applying at places and then I'll get to go to see the little tools, the tricks, some of the things that I like and some of the things that um, maybe I'll be able to utilize going back to my business um, and start implementing things right away. You
1: know, it is one of those things is most people don't actually know how to conduct interviews. We've probably all been on interviews before, but to actually conduct the interviews, it's something that we don't really think of most of the time until we have to do it. Yeah, we might think about it and been like, oh, my God, that person had no idea what they were doing. That was the worst interview I've ever went on in my entire life. But we don't actually necessarily like sit down and plan on how to actually conduct a good interview until we have to do it. And let me tell you from my experience, even going into the first interviews that I had to conduct, I am a planner and I didn't plan anything. Like, I walked into some of my first interviews with a blank piece of paper and just asked questions that came to the top of my mind, and they were probably not the best questions. So, (laughs) yes, like even those of us who are now good at interviewing and can coach and train people on the subject, all started out really not knowing how to interview people.
2: Without a doubt. So, there's two ways to get that learning, right? You either go out and firsthand, get some of that learning or you have to do the trial and error approach where it's hey i'm going to have lots of interviews let me grow in this um grow in my leadership um, my interviewing skills if you will Um, but also what's the hybrid look like so if we needed to jump start our capability to do interviewing that's kind of where some of the glutton for punishment, if you will, activities that I went through um, started to kind of play in.
1: Right. So what did you learn when you went to these interviews?
2: Oh, one of the biggest things I think you already said, right, is you can automatically tell when someone has an awesome interview process or if they're winging it, right? And to me, that, that interview process doesn't have to be a script of questions. I don't have to necessarily follow this thing, A, B, C, D, and E right? But um, in our prior episode, I brought up um, beginning with the end in mind, Stephen Covey's awesome work. Um, But so if we're going to be interviewing people, do they have an end in mind? And I promise you, when I was sitting down with people who knew exactly what they wanted to figure out from me, versus the people who were just kind of going through the motions and like, oh, if someone fits or I'd like someone, I'm going to hire them. And it was very, very different. Right. I could tell that they were asking me deeper, harder questions to see if I just researched something online and I was able to come in prepared with the 12 to 18 questions on Glassdoor or whatever. Um, Or if I truly embodied what these people were looking for in the culture, in the system, in the experience, whatever it was. Um, To me, that was one of the biggest learning takeaways. And I started implementing that right away. Um, But also, what I found was I I shifted my interviewing techniques quite, um, it's always the 80-20 rule, right? So say I go on 10 um, interviews, really, I'm going to get the biggest benefit from one to two of them. Right. And then the other eight, I walked away with some learning, but they weren't as impactful as that one or two. So all you have to do is hit one or two good, like truly good interview interviews, like where you're the interviewee um, to really start. Wow, that was awesome. Oh, I got to leverage that. How can we use this into our system and process? Um, And one of the things that I really picked up from those type of experiences, um, I'm trying to trying to think, I think it was for a regional manager position of a retail chain um, where I was interviewing for that and they were truly asking me engaging questions that I couldn't just rattle off an answer to, right? And so we've probably heard some of this like, tell me a time when, right? Or give me an experience. I'm gonna come from the retail customer service which I was doing at the time. Um, Tell me a time when you had to deal with the upset customer or loved one or something. And how did you deal with it? And that's a very different question than say, Oh, like what's, how important is customer service to you or whatever? And it's like, Oh, it's very important. It's like, no kidding. You're going into a customer service job. Right? So, um,
1: of course. Yeah, no, it's all those behavioral interview questions. That's what I say. It's like you need to ask behavioral interview questions. You can't go in and ask, what would you do if, because guess what, that you're just interviewing who's the best storyteller. <laughs> Who can come up with the best hypothetical situation? Yeah, of course that's what I would do if when you're asking me this question because I wanna get a job that I want you to pay me for. Doesn't mean it's what I'm actually going to do or that I have the ability to do that, but I researched that question and I made up an answer to tell you. And it's like, no, you need to really ask those behavioral interview questions to dig into what that person did in the past. You know, Tell me about a time when. And I know I heard someone say, well, people can still make up answers to that, Well, it's a lot harder when you ask the follow-up questions. Tell me more about that. What was your role? What was the outcome? So when you dig deeper into some of those situations and what these people did in the past, you can really uncover, are they qualified for the job you're trying to fill?
2: Well, I mean, you bring up some good points. And the professional interviewer will always exist, right? That's what I call them. Someone who maybe is like me. And is a glutton for punishment and learned a lot of tools and tricks and can pretty much appease anyone in an interview, right? I am the perfect person, no matter what. I'm like <laughs> like but that's what we come into. It's like, no matter what, whatever you need, I'm the right fit. Why? Because I've been able to, um, and we this is potentially where we can go in a little bit if if it's valuable. I have become so in tune with soft skills and selling soft skills that it's not necessarily about the hard skills. Um, Now, if you're a accountant or you're a lawyer, you gotta understand, you gotta have your certifications, you gotta do certain stuff, and we've gotta hire, recruit, and train against that. Um, But one of the things I was hearing, and really the point I wanted to make was, sometimes we need a professional storyteller, right? And though everything they're saying may not fit well, but our gut's like, oh, let's give this person a chance. Maybe in their role, maybe it's customer service, maybe it's something that involves being able to think on the fly, being able to um, ad lib and improv, all these things. Like now we're reading between the lines and they don't know what we're evaluating them against.
1: Right. I do agree with that. Like sometimes you need those people that. Yeah, I can really think on their toes. But that's typically a skill set that you're looking for. If you need someone who's going to be thrown into position where it's like, well, we never know what people are going to come to you with. Like, You could hear everything from A to Z and somewhere in between. Yeah, you need people that are skilled for that. But that should definitely be a skill that you're looking for during those interviews. So it's about planning your interviews because I really want to challenge one of the things that you said earlier, you're like, well, you don't necessarily need to go in with your template of questions and this and that. And I'm saying, yes, yes, you kind of (laughs) do. Because you need to know what you're looking for in the interview to determine if someone is the right fit. This whole like listening to your gut thing doesn't work if the person can't do the job. You know, It doesn't work if they aren't showing you that they have the ability to to actually learn. Now, do they need to have done the exact job before in the past? No, they can learn some of the specifics if they prove to you that they can learn in the interview. So you need to know what you're looking for, what's important. And I also say having interview scripts is really important because then you can compare apples to apples from candidate to candidate. If you ask completely different questions because you weren't prepared and you just went in and asked whatever came to your mind, it's hard to really compare to see which candidate was better, in my opinion.
2: No, 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 I, I, I agree on some levels. To me, um, having, say, four or five questions that need to be completed in a 30-minute interview is enough, right? We always need to have the answer to these few questions. And then you kind of let the, um, you drive the conversation via question asking. It's the coach of me coming out. I just asked tons of questions, right? Um, But not in the way that they're expecting. My my whole strategy to interviewing is to get someone, throw them off balance and see how they recover versus have it be a very formalized conversation. I can create a template. I can have them answer something online. I don't need to be involved in that process. Once I'm involved, how am I leveraging my skill set, my capabilities, and my time to truly put this person in a position where I get to see whether they sink or swim? And maybe that's verbally, maybe it's mentally, maybe it's whatever those conversations are around that we're recruiting for. Um, For me, it was cultural fit, usually, because I could train a lot of what I was working on. Like you said, there are certain skill sets that we need to make sure that they have. Um, And something I'll add, and another thing I valuable, I took out from my um, interviewing activities and added it into my personal interviewing, um, my my interviewing process. started to become a little bit less about information, right? And so if we are hiring for a certain skill set, we want to be able to see if people can learn. How do we test them against that in an interview? And I went through where uh, it was, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think it was another clothing manufacturer where they actually had me go in and start doing the work. Like, let's see how quickly you can pick this up. Let's see how effectively you can do this. So I brought that back to my places of work, the places I was turning around and I started every time allocating 15 minutes of a 30 to 45 minute interview, having them do things, having them see if they can pick it up, how, how quickly they can respond, throw some curveballs at them, right? Maybe even make them work with their actual customer. Um, and Those kind of activities helped me weed out people who wanted to be there and weren't just professional interviewers almost instantly because I got to start to see what this person looked like in action.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I feel like when you come down to your final few people, there needs to be some sort of interactive piece to see if this person can actually do the job. Some people I know actually do some more formal testing in a way, because there's certain regulations, there's certain things you need to know in order to make sure that you're doing things legally correct. So they do a lot more formal testing. Uh, There's other things where it's like, yeah, let's just see this person in action. Let's, let's get them involved. There's ones where it might get a little tricky of you know, can they really have this person do things if they haven't been fully trained yet on their way, on their process and all that stuff. But they do things where it's like, how do we get this person into the comfort zone of what the job would actually be like? So for example, I was working with a gym in the past and one of the things that came up when he was interviewing people was that some of the people just seemed so uncomfortable during the interview and he's like, I wanna make sure people have this, these great personalities but their personality is not coming out in the interview. And I was like, well, let's look at what's going on. I'm like, you're taking people who are personal trainers, you're making them get dressed up and sit at a desk for a formal interview. You're taking them completely out of their comfort Mm -hmm. zone. I'm like, interviewing is already a nerve wracking thing to begin with, because uh, other than you, no one goes on interviews for the fun of it. (laughs) 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 People are going on interviews because they need a job Cause they need, or cause they, or they really, really want that job. Like they're not doing it typically for the fun of it. So you already, that person has that pressure on themselves to do well because they want the job and now you're taking them out of their comfort zone. So for that, out, that particular client of mine, I said, why don't you try something different? They're personal trainers, which means they should like working out. They should like being in the gym. What if you did a really low impact workout while you're having this interview conversation? And there was like, oh my god, it was like the light bulb went off. It was like, yeah, why not? Why do we need to take someone completely out of their comfort zone to do a formal interview if the position's never formal?
2: I agree. I mean, that, that's a great point.
1: Yeah, and then like, yeah, doing after after thing testing, shadow days, sit with days. I can tell you oh and I haven't gone into the story on this podcast yet but I'm sure it will come up. <laughs> I once did a, a shadow day, a, it was an all day thing and oh my god, I'm so glad I did that because it would it would have been the worst job ever for me. It was horrible. Halfway into this like sit with day, I was just like, oh my God, how do I get out of here? Like, this is horrible. But it could have been one of those things if I didn't do that and I was just offered a job after that first interview, I would have been like, yeah, sign me up. Give me money. Like, I need a job. I want a job. This sounds great. And then I would have been in that job thinking about how quickly can I find another job and get out of here? So not only do those things where you're interacting with those person on that other level than just asking the questions. Be good for you because you can test their ability. They're good for the candidate too because they can see what the job's actually going to be like.
2: So there's a there's a huge point that jumped out at me from that the that conversation that you just had. Um, one of the biggest things that I was training my teams on, and uh, just to put it in perspective, I've interviewed hundreds of people um, and been on. I don't know. 50, at least, interviews. Um, So I've got a lot of background knowledge of the way these work. And I took and helped train people so I didn't have to do it. I helped develop their skills. And one of the things that was always a red flag for my industry um, that I was in, that was retail at the time, is someone who comes in and says, I need a job, right? That's a huge red flag. Think well. Well, we we want people who need jobs, maybe committed or whatever. It's like, yeah, that may be great and all, but if your lead in is that you I need money and you're the way for me to make money, guess what? We just missed out on, like the the business should be important, and also this person's connection to the business, the mission, the values, the service, whatever it is that we do for our customers. We're jumping over the most important thing, which that is, right. So I think it's to me, that was always a red flag. And that was one of the first things that I could do to instantly disqualify someone. And maybe they were good quality candidates, but they weren't thinking in the way that I needed them to think. And they may have a great job opportunity somewhere else. It wasn't just wasn't going to be with us.
1: Yeah. And if you think about it, even from a business perspective, I know there's a lot of businesses when they're first starting out and they like, when they start working maybe with a marketing professional, the marketing professional is like, you're sounding desperate in everything you do, like all you need <laughs> is money. You need clients because you need money. And it's like, no, it's like that flip side. It's like, you want clients. Cause yeah, it's going to earn you money, but you want clients because you have this amazing product and service to offer. So it's like, as a business. You don't go out and tell people, I need your business because I need money and you don't want client, you don't want candidates doing the same thing to you. I need this job for the number one purpose to get money. Cause then that's all, like you said, that's all they're going to care about is getting that paycheck and not actually what they're doing for the business.
2: And it's uh I'm going to go all, all nerd real quick. It's the difference between intrinsic versus extrinsic motivational factors too, right? So if somebody is extrinsically motivated, money, status, those kind of things are what drives them. From what I found and who I always wanted to look for were people who were more intrinsically motivated, right? Those are the people who I could get a better commitment from. And these means the, that means that people do things for the sense of doing good, whether it's connected to their value system, whether they believe in something, whether they feel good by showing up or they just, uh, otherwise that the people who we ended up bringing on, we would have to let go very shortly because they just didn't fit with the culture and the teams that I was creating. Um, And I'm sure that can be a little bit different for other industries for, for the listener base. But in general, to me, high functioning teams were what made the businesses that I turned around thrive versus just people who wanted to show up and get paid.
1: Exactly. One of the things that drives me crazy is when business owners complain, oh, these team members aren't pulling their weight, blah, blah, this and that, I'm um, feel like I'm losing money, but I can't let them go because, and then they list a million reasons. And it's like, <laughs> you're doing yourself a huge disservice by keeping people around that aren't doing the job. Like if you're paying them to do nothing, you might as well not have anybody in that position. You know, Let's find you the right people instead of you paying and getting a loss on each one of your employees.
2: And, and I mean this can be a whole another conversation that we can have about workplace culture, et cetera. Um, but it, it ends up being and we've probably all heard the um, analogy before it ends up being a cancer, right So we have to the the process that we use both in the interviewing process but also the onboarding and evaluation process that follows whether or not we bring that candidate on has to really evaluate. Did we make the right decision? How can we check quickly and act quickly in case we didn't make the right decision? Um, Or the alternative, we made the right decision. How can we ramp up? How can we support more? How can we make sure that this new hire that we're bringing on is gonna have all the tools, be as successful as we can possibly make them, but also understand Cause that's what comes out hopefully in the interview process you start to learn about what are some of the motivators and drivers of this individual and we can check in with them to make sure that we're meeting those things
1: exactly so i want to circle back i said at the very beginning that i didn't always i didn't have all positive reactions when you talked about going out and interviewing just interview and learn. So before I get into exactly why I had those negative reactions and what those were, I have one question for you about that. Okay. Do you think you were qualified for at least the resume or application that you put out there for every interview you got when you were out there testing these interviews?
2: Oh, with, uh, huh.
1: Let me phrase that another way. If you were the person doing the interview, knowing what the job was, would you have brought yourself in? based
2: yes. on what you put on that. Okay. Yes. Well, the, the reason being, um, what, hmm. right. this is the thing that I'll add um, before we get into the, the potential other side of this. Um, what I found from doing all these interviews, even being places that were interviewed, people could tell I was I could tell when people could automatically see the value that I could provide because they understood that I was actually interviewing them, right? They brought me in, but what was actually happening was I was making sure that they were the right fit for me. So what that automatically tells someone, and as I started utilizing this, is that, oh, this person came prepared. This person really wants this job, and they're really validating whether this is the best fit for them, those are the people who really got my attention and made me real inquisitive. And, and that was the reason when I got in front of those not people.
1: taking the job.
2: I mean, yeah, but it's, <laughs> you're not always the only one in the pool. And what's right. the difference between me going there and um, helping them develop their interviewing skills, right, because I'm going to challenge them, right? Versus have somebody off the street that isn't going to challenge them at all and just waste as much time.
1: Which brings me to my reaction, my internal reaction I had when you were saying this. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, you went and wasted all these business owners or managers time. And like, that's one of the things that I try to teach on with, with my clients is how do we make sure we're bringing in only the best or only bringing in the qualified? We're not wasting our time interviewing everyone. And so that's why I asked you if like you thought you were qualified and knowing that you're coming from the other side of this, that you're doing this as like a learning and testing thing. You probably knew enough where if you had to adjust things on your application or resume to get into that role and get into that interview, you probably could have, you probably, you know, could, Add or delete things from your from your work history to show that you were the right person to bring in because your whole goal was to go in and learn. But you know, from like my people might be listening as like, I don't want people coming in and testing me out. I only want serious candidates. So it's one of those things. Is like you have it's just a lesson for everybody. You have to know how to weed out the qualified from the unqualified before you give them your time in an interview, because. You don't want to be wasting your time interviewing people if you can determine before that interview ever happens if they're not qualified for the job. So, we don't want to do 15 interviews if we could have only done three. And so, like, that was my biggest thing is like just thinking it from a business owner's perspective of the time wasted to conduct an interview for someone who was never going to take the job. Now, like you said, you were helping because you went in prepared, could help motivate them, have them be better to interview the next candidate. Of course, there could have been business owners there. And it was like, oh my God, this guy is full of himself. He thinks that, (laughs) he thinks he's influencing us and really not. But, you know, there's all those, there's all those things going on of the time. Interviewing takes time and you don't want to have to spend more time in it than you really need to
2: but also start, start practicing, right? It's uh, to me, it's if we only perform at the big game, we missed out, right? We weren't prepared. We didn't work on the muscles, the tools, the reactions that we need to have um, to be very fluid in the moment by waiting until the big game to play, right? So what can we start doing to, Maybe even maybe it's a small business owner. How can we start utilizing some of these interview skills, maybe with our customers, right? And just subtly, but start getting comfortable asking some of these harder, better questions to people so that when it comes time for an interview, that we built up the skill set. We built up this repertoire and we've been able to practice it out there, whether it's with our teams our customers, whomever, um, versus feeling like, hey, well, this is my interview hat. You know, this is my, this is my boss had, whatever that looks like. Um, And I feel that if you approach that differently, um, that is one of the most valuable ways you can, you can interview a lot better. And the other thing with anything, and I'm sure this will come up again. um, What does the reflection on the experience that just happened look like, right? What went well? What would I do differently next time? And what am I going to implement going forward? right and if we asked ourselves that reflective process after everything my recommendation but at least after interviews for our topic um, now every time we sit down with someone we've grown we've got better we've developed new skills and we understand awareness around what were the things we liked what didn't we like and what are we going to do about it
1: right so one of the things i want to say is like okay so we're talking about like how do you learn how do you get better at interviewing Sometimes it's about getting the right training and the right help and the people that can help you really develop before you have to go in and spend time interviewing people. What should you ask? Understanding why you should ask each question. You know, we talked about in our last episode is really knowing and understanding the why when you're going to interview somebody because we talked about in that episode only bringing in people if you really knew why it was going to impact your company how it was going to be you know beneficial it's the same with interviewing like you need to tie all those why's back to the interview and every question you ask should be supporting the the role of like why of, pro- of the candidate proven why they are a good candidate for that role. So it's all about planning, it's all about preparation, it's all about sometimes having that person that can um, challenge you with each each interview to say, okay, now that you interviewed that person, why are they good, why are they not good? Don't tell me that you just feel something in your gut, prove to me by what they said in the interview. <laughs> like, And um, I might know someone who can help with all that. <laughs> So that's one of the things I do with my clients (laughs) is help them prepare for interviews and help them understand. So when they go in, because let's face it, as a small business owner, you don't want to make the mistakes of interviewing. You don't have a lot of time to sort through the bad, to learn, to do all this. Sometimes you need to get ahead of the game and get guidance so you can do it as best as you can the first time around.
2: Without a doubt. Before, before we shift from there, right, one of the things that I'm, um, I'm hearing out of this conversation is how does the person that's sitting in front of us, how do we evaluate whether or not that person is going to be a good value add to our mission and our vision of our organization? How do they fit within the value structure? Um, and the tactical piece, what they do, how, how experienced they are, has to play a role in moving that mission and vision forward, right? But also, and I, we've talked about this briefly before, who that person is on a deep level, like what their value system is, and is that going to fit within the organization, the culture, the the entity that we're growing, um, and will it maintain, can, can they be sustainable in the environment they're coming into, right? Um, and those are the hard questions that you potentially don't ask an interviewee, but you have to ask yourself right after, or you have to have a, a, a huddle around it or whatever and get the people who are doing the interviews input of their fit in moving that mission and vision forward.
1: Yes, I agree. All right. I think that's bringing us up to time for today. So any last thoughts on interviews? I'm sure this is a topic we can talk about for days and days on. So I'm sure we'll circle back to it at some point along our journey. But what else for today?
2: I'd say the takeaway here is don't be scared of interviews, right? Whether you're going on them or you're conducting them, um, but always be learning. Like, yeah, you'll hear that from me more than once. But how do we take each and every one of these experiences to shift the way that we do things for the better?
1: So my biggest takeaway from today is just remember, no one's the perfect interviewer from the start. We all start somewhat clueless on the topic, and we learn and we develop. So you can choose to do it all by trial and error, and probably means you're going to get a lot of bad seeds into your company and on your team that are you're going to have to let go. Or you can go out and learn and get the support, get the resources you need, maybe be like Chris and go out and practice interviews, attend interviews just for the fun of it and to learn. I guess it was learning, not just for the fun of it. But figure out what you need to do to become a better interviewer quicker than just trial and error in your company. Because when you're a small business, let's face it you probably won't be interviewing that often. So trial and error could take you a long time to perfect your skills. Agreed. But just remember, if you're not great at it today, you will get better and take the effort to get better more quickly if you can. All right, Chris, thank you so much for your time today. It's always a joy to have you on and talk through these wonderful topics that impact small businesses.
2: Awesome, Jamie. Thank you for inviting. invites.
1: And that wraps up this bonus episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Are you ready to bring on a new hire for your business? Are you ready to learn more about how to leverage the interviewing process so you make sure you get that perfect fit new hire and you don't waste your time during any of the process? If so, I invite you to join my Finding Your Perfect Hire Masterclass. This masterclass is a three part series that will be taking place starting April 20th. And I encourage you to join if you know that you'll be interviewing and hiring new team members soon. I know as this episode is going live, we are in the middle of coronavirus, which means a lot of you are probably having to make tough decisions with your team members. And you're wondering how the rest of the year is going to work out. However, I wanna say, If you're thinking about adding new team members or if you know your business is going to recover quickly once everything's back open and having new team members is on your to-do list, this is the perfect time to start planning and getting your positions out there into the markets. Why? Because there's a lot of people who are let go from their jobs because of the shutdowns. And there's a lot of people that are working abnormal schedules or working from home and are given a lot of time to think about if their current job is the right job for them or if their current clients that they're working with are really the right clients for them, which means I predict that there is going to be a lot of good quality candidates that are going to be job searching either because they have to or because they want to find something new. Once everything starts picking back up and recovering, which means you want to be ready and you want to be prepared, which is part of the reason why I'm holding this Finding Your Perfect Hire masterclass. So over three weeks, you can figure out exactly what position you should be adding to your team and how to find the best person. So you reduce the time you spend during the interview process and you get that perfect new hire onto your team. So go to jamievc.com slash masterclass, masterclass being one word, and learn more about the Finding Your New Hire masterclass and sign up. If you use discount code PODCAST, all lowercase, you will receive a $200 discount on this masterclass. So I encourage you to go check it out. If you're listening to this podcast after April 20th, still go to jamievc.com masterclass and find out what other trainings we have coming up. I'll see you on Tuesday for another episode of the Growing Your Team podcast.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.